Today is what I call Leadership Sunday, and I try to do this once a year, and pretty much over the years have. There's been a number of times where it's been maybe 18 months or something, but I know we have a lot of new people in our church, and maybe a lot of you out there that are new to us as well, or maybe like some of the folks who are now here started there and investigated things, and after a period of time said, we got to go check out this church. And so it's good for you to know who our leaders are, uh, what they do, and we're also going to uh, place and install a couple of leaders here as well so that you're aware of who our leaders are. So I'll try try to get right to it. Amen? Amen? John Quincy Adams, he said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a great leader. All the leaders in the room are going... Because, yes, if, if, if you're going to be a great leader, you've got to inspire others to be more, to do more, to become more, to dream bigger. That's all a part of what I call the leadership matrix. I'll explain that further in just a few minutes, but everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything in every aspect of life, whether you're a mom or dad, you're leaders, and everything within your home rises and falls on your leadership. Grandparents, your leaders. On the job, your leaders. Everything rises and falls on your leadership. Here at the church, there are leaders of specific areas of ministry, and everything within that area of ministry rises and falls on that individual's leadership. I always say that the blood trail leads to my office, and those of you who've worked with me over the last number of years know that I never cast the blame on somebody else. I immediately say, you know what, I failed you in some way, we didn't equip you in some way, or whatever it may be, but leadership is, everything rises and falls on that. And in this case, as the pastor, I lead the entire troop, the entire army here, so there's a lot going on. And sometimes a leader can become the lid. What do I mean on that? Uh, you can't pour anything else into anything or overflow anything because there's now a lid on the can, okay? And a leader gets to a certain place in his leadership, whether it's from this position or whether it's the, the leader of the Father's house, uh, cleaning ministry, whatever it may be, there are times that we as leaders can be that which stops the progress of our area of ministry because we've quit, I've quit growing, I've quit reading, I, we have quit advancing in who we are. You can't help others dream more if you don't dream more yourself, brother and sister leader. Uh, You can't help people become more if you yourself, brother and sister leader, aren't becoming more first. Amen? And so sometimes as leaders, we can become the lid that keeps things from going any farther. This, literally, this is one of the reasons that Diane and I are taking the month of February off. First time ever, I shared that with you all a, a few weeks ago. We leave after church next Sunday. Oh, happy day. No, I told Diane, asked me last night, are you getting excited? I went, I ain't going! She said, all right, I'm going without you. <laughs> no, we're going, but that's a part of it because I recognize that even from my position as the senior pastor, 
that I can be that which stops everything else, stops the growth, stunts the growth of everything else. And there's times to get away and be refreshed and get renewed and get revitalized. And that's a big part of what February is going to be all about for Diane and I. The operations and the, the, the functions of this church or any church, they do not ride on the shoulders of one person. It isn't based on whatever Rick does well or doesn't do well. No, that's not how I operate in leadership. In fact, I've taught all of our leaders here, if you can tell me what are our uh, uh, steps to discipleship and what our mission is, you build that ministry and, and build it your, with your own heart following the vision of our church. And so there's a uh, passage of scripture in Exodus. If you turn your Bibles with me to Exodus, and I've called this, it may be it's been called this by other folks, but um, I call it the uh, leadership matrix or the Jethro matrix. For those of you who know that I like the Beverly Hillbillies, I ain't talking about that Jethro. Okay. <laughs> Some, it's very easy for a pastor um, to get involved in way too many things. And that's because a pastor has a heart for everything that goes on in the church. Uh, that's not to say, for example, that our children's ministers don't have a heart for everything, but their heart is focused into a specific area. Or, Jonathan, I only have a heart for music. No, but there, there's a special grace for those people in those specific areas. My heart is spread all over this entire place. And I can often, if I'm not careful, get... Uh, too involved in too many different areas, and then I become that which bogs everything down. Thank you for your not giving me an enthusiastic amen right there. <laughs> My staff will ask me a question about this or that, and I'll look at Corey and say, are you sure that you want me to muddy the waters by getting into that conversation? And she'll go, nah, you're right, forget I ever said anything. <laughs> so we're going to see here that this, uh, this text will show us that while Moses thought that he was doing the right thing, in fact, he was being a hindrance to the people. It's a, it's, a day in, it's a day to behold when a pastor comes to the place to recognize that if he's not careful, he can be a hindrance to the growth of the people. Um, and that comes through trying to micromanage every little thing that takes place. And Moses got caught in this trap. And so I'm going to read from uh, Exodus chapter 18. And I'm going to start reading in verse 13. And you'll get the picture. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Poor Pastor Moses. He had church members, he had appointments with church members from the morning till the evening. Now, when Moses' father in law, by the way, whose name was Jethro, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people standing about you from morning till evening? Well, Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Well, 
when they have a, dis a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses got himself into a trap of actually being the lid. Everyone comes to me. I have all the answers. They need to get their answers from me. Moses, the father-in-law, said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. Everybody say, not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. You see, when a pastor gets himself into a position where he's micromanaging every single thing that's taking place in the church, he will wear himself out, and I like that part, and it's, 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 it's an unfortunate part, but it'll also wear you out. I've had new people that have come to this church and they'll ask me this or that. Maybe I'm giving them a tour and showing them a room and they'll say, well, what age group is in this room? And I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really sure. don't really know. Sometimes it's embarrassing to say, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not sure what's going on in that specific area. That's because I have, I have gotten myself out of the Jethro matrix, y'all. God really hammered me about this a few years ago. It uh, goes on to say, you'll, you'll surely, verse 18, you'll surely wear out both yourself and these people, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. See, there's... This thing always knows like the right moment to go off. And there's, and I'll try to come back to those of you who are visiting, those online, um, this is our moment to stop and have a very quick prayer. And it is to curse COVID-19 and every mutation of that disease, not just across this country, but across the globe, by the blood of Jesus and in the name of Jesus. And we also curse every demonic activity that is continuing to turn our country upside down and to turn the world into a socialist, fascist environment. We curse those, demonic, those demons and that demonic activity in Jesus' name. And we pray blessings and aid and strength for every single person that has been affected by coronavirus in one way, shape, or another. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't remember what I was gonna say after theirs, uh, so I thought to get back to this. Oh, that's my job. My job right there is to teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and what they are to do. Okay? But I'm not here to micromanage the children's ministry. I'm not here to micromanage the, the music ministry. Although I get involved because I, I coach them in certain areas of their ministry. But I do that with permission of the worship leader. Uh, I don't get involved in Father's House cleaning ministry. That doesn't mean I don't clean, because I do grab a vacuum and clean and take trash out as well, okay? So I don't climb up into my ivory tower and say, I got one job to do, and that's just between me and God. No, in fact, I've worked very hard over these 26 years to make sure that I don't climb in the ivory tower, so to speak, and go, no, I don't do those things. I'm quick to do those things when they are needed. Uh, verse 21, furthermore, you shall select 
out of all the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. There's the Jethro matrix. You, pastor, are not supposed to do everything. You, pastor, are supposed to pick out from among you qualified people to lead specific areas of ministry. Verse 22, then let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor problem, not just dispute, every minor challenge they themselves will handle. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. And, and again, remember, this is uh, Moses' father-in-law. Sometimes uh, we're not good at listening to our father-in-laws very well. Uh-huh. So this is Moses' father-in-law. He, verse 23, he says, if you do this thing, and I love this, is a, he's using the father-in-law card here. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, it isn't if you do this thing because you like what I'm having to say. If you do this thing, and by the way, God said you should do it then you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge and, then, and I think it's interesting that it closes with this. And then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell. All right, that's enough, Dad, out of here. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. But this is the, what I've called the Jethro Matrix. And I've got good people here, a good friend, uh, Richard Farrell, and others who've helped me realize when there's moments that I'm doing too many things that I ought not to be doing. And I... I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having people with me that will grab me by the belt loop and make me look under that rock. We need good leadership. We need good counsel around us. This isn't a, a, a house where you've got a maverick preacher who just runs everything, okay? In fact, I've made sure that in the last couple of years I've put, her, put myself into a position to not know everything about your area of ministry. As long as you can tell, you, tell us what our mission is and our steps to discipleship, then you're all right. Amen? So that's what we call the leadership matrix. And so uh, I'm following this particular thing. And because we have our church now in a position where leadership is operating under such anointing and like a well-oiled machine that for the first time in my ministry, I can spend the greatest deal of my time studying the Word in prayer, getting ready for a Wednesday night Bible study, praying, getting ready for a Sunday morning, praying the very thing that, is, that really is the most important job function that I have as a pastor is to feed, lead, and guard. That's my role. And so I want to share with you the tiers of leadership that we have here, and then we're going to present to you all of those different people. There are going to be a couple of, there's two couples that we're going to place and anoint, and then we've got another special thing we're going to do at the end of the service. Again, I will try not to be too long, but bear with us. This is a, a unique and a special Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
so here at Res Life, we have several tiers of leadership. Yes, um, the blood trail does lead to my office. Um, I make the final decision on everything that happens around here. Um, but I do that under concurrence with a lot of other people. I don't rule with an iron fist. I'm not running around with my hammer and my sickle making sure that everybody's in line. In fact, many of you who, who've asked me certain things about the church, I'll say, well, you're going to need to go ask so-and-so, or you're going to need to go ask so-and-so, or so forth and so on. But under the tier of leadership as a senior pastor, then we have a group that's called the Board of Directors. The Board of Directors is the only governing body in this particular church and how we operate. Uh, they, we talk regularly, but we physically meet one time a year uh, to iron out whatever we've got to iron out, take care of the business of the corporation, and to do that in a, a, a very anointed and professional way. So we have a great group of board of directors. Next to that is our church staff. We have a number of people that are on the payroll here, whether they're on the payroll part-time or whether they're on full-time. Obviously, our staff need to be at the very top to get information and to help everything else happen down what we call the cascading of information across the church. Then we have our what's, uh, what I call elders' council. I'm going to introduce all these folks to you in just a few minutes. But our elders' council here is a, a, a group of people that are carefully hand-selected uh, by me who serve the Lord first and help me Secondly, let me say that again. They serve the Lord first and help me secondly and help me doing what? Spiritual things, spiritual ministry, hospital visitation, praying for folks, teaching folks. Uh, so we have our, our, our elder ministry. After that, we have what's called the departmental leaders. And that's just basically a, a, a single a person or a couple that lead a specific area of ministry. And then I have a very a fairly large group that I call the pastors roundtable, or often leadership team, which is also a group of individually selected people from within the congregation who are there to serve to to offer me input uh, and assistance. If there's difficult decisions, I'll walk through that tier of leadership myself. If I have a difficult decision that I need to make, I'm gonna, I will send some notification to my board of directors. I'll use me going to Florida for a month. Uh, the first person to know was obviously me and Diane, and then I called our board of directors and said, here's what I'd like to do, and they all gave their approval to it. Then I talked to my church staff, and then I passed it on to my elders, then I passed it on to the congregation. Actually, I think I did the department leaders and then the congregation. So I flow with that tier of leadership and cascading all that I do around here. So though I may be the pastor and the one who has to sign off on just about everything, I don't do that as a lone wolf. I do that in concurrence and partnership with a lot of people here at this church. Um, and let me say this about the board of directors. We'll get with that in, in a little deeper in a minute. But not everyone of our, not everyone on our board of directors here is from within the congregation, and that's important because it's it's important to have ministry professionals from outside of the congregation on the board to help keep a balance in what's going on. I'll try to explain that more. And so I have this large group called the Roundtable. Um, 
Pastor's Roundtable leadership team. All right, let's, let's go through the tiers of leadership. So my uh, media team, get ready. We're about to do this. The board of directors, as I said, is a group of people who are the governing constitutionally bylaws of a church. See, a church operates in two fashions. One is a corporate fashion. The other is ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical is pastoral, ministry, those types of things. And uh, corporate is about business and affairs, okay? Because a church this size is a large business it, as well. I hate to use that word, but the corporation has to operate with good uh, financial fiduciary means, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to do everything right. Amen? No willy-nilly around here. Um, and so there, this group is there to oversee um, the corporate affairs of Resurrection Life Church Mid-Michigan, uh, and our board of directors is as follows. I am the president of the board. Uh, Jonathan Glenn is our new vice president of the board. And uh, Amen. Now, uh, pause for a minute. If I let you do that for every single person that I call, we will not get done today. So I will give you all an opportunity to give applause at some point. But as I, I meant to say that as I call your name, please stand. That's all I'm going to ask you to do is stand. Our secretary is Corey Haggart, who's not in the room, but she is standing back yonder. Uh, our treasurer is Jamie Evans. Jamie's in the back as well. Just keep standing for a minute. Uh, we have, uh, as a director, Richard Farrell. He's over here standing, and I think their pictures are also up on the screen. Uh, Rob Martin is behind the camera here. He's a, a director as well. Uh, and then two uh, ministers that are not uh, a part of our congregation, but this church knows well, is Reverend David Ferranti, who is the pastor at Bay Valley Christian Church, and Reverend Mike Benson, who has the international ministry for the Conquerors. And this, brothers and sisters, is our entire board of directors. And so now you can applaud if you want to. Stay standing, please. Stay standing. So this is kind of setting the pace. I've called these names. They're standing, right? They're standing. The one, the names I called. Okay, good. They're standing. Because we're going to pray over them just by extending our hands toward them and asking for God's blessings upon them. So they're, they're, they're standing. So good. You see them. There's Rob. Jonathan, Richard's over here in the red plaid, Corey's in the back behind the information center, and way, way, way back in the back is Jamie, so extend your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these great individuals who have stepped up to be a part of a very serious aspect of the ministry and leadership here at Resurrection Life Church. I thank you, Lord, that there's a great anointing upon their life for this cause and for this purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we'll kind of do the same pattern as I call off names. Now I'm going to go into staff members. I got a great staff here. I tell you what, they are so amazing. I'm so thankful for the staff. We, are, we have a good time together. We really do. Uh, but assistant to the pastor and executive manager is Corey Haggart. She's in the back there. Financial secretary is Chris Hale. Uh, she is not here today. Her and Doug are actually packing and moving out of their house today. They had, the, they had their kids and family and others come to help them pack and stuff, so that's why they're not here. And then our wonderful multimedia coordinator, Cole Emery, back here in the back. Connections director, uh, where are you at? On, on staff, Deanna Zucker, would you please stand? Again, I'm just calling out 
uh, staff members at this point. Administrative office assistant is Lynette Schmidt. Where are you at, Lynette? Right back there in the back. And then we have some uh, office volunteers or support staff. That's Deb Schiffer. Is she around? She's in children's ministry. Okay, and Mindy Lentz. She's right there now. Mindy's just come back onto our volunteer uh, staff, and I'm very excited to have Mindy uh, back with us. But Mindy, you can stand, please. Thank you. And so this is, this is our staff member list. All of our staff members will give them a hand. Now, stay standing, please. Stay standing, please. Now extend your hands toward these staff members. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you anoint them for their purpose as part of the staff here at Resurrection Life Church. That it always is a joy to do the things they do. And may they always do it in a manner worthy of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Everybody all right? Am I, are you, are, am, I, am I putting you to sleep? All right, good. All right, we watch for sleepers. Uh-huh. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Y'all, y'all saw uh, former President Clinton take his nap during the inauguration? Did y'all saw? Okay, well, I watch for sleepers, so just comes, comes with the territory, y'all. <laughs> uh, then we have this elders' council. Now, I need to give a little bit of explanation here. In the Bible, you're going to find that elders are definitely listed as an instrumental, important part of church leadership. However, the elder of today looks vastly different than the elder of the first century church. In the first century, there were only three types of people everywhere. There was heathens, there was those of the Judaic faith, and there were those of the Christian faith. That's that, okay. Now, the heathens didn't have a church, so we're only talking about two churches, the Judaic temple and the Christian church. That's all that there was. And the, there were no denominations as we know denominations today. That wasn't the case. There wasn't the Baptist church and the Methodist church. And so there was the, the Jewish Judaic synagogue and the Christian church. Now, they didn't have, as far as I know, big church buildings. They all met in homes in that setting around the city. They all met in small groups, life groups. Come on, somebody. That's a true picture that's a true picture of the church. Now, the only viable churches, as I said, was the Christian church and the Judaic church. Uh, and at every one of those life groups, let's call it, home churches, there was an elder that presided over that group of people within that church. They were, if you will, pastors that presided over shepherded a group of people. And then within that city, Jerusalem in this case, we'll use that as the example, there was typically one person who, was over, who oversaw everything else that happened in all these churches, and he was called a bishop. And so if you'll get that picture in the first century, there was no Resurrection Life Church, Baptist Church. There was one church, Christian faith, okay? And they met in homes or small settings, and over those homes and small settings was an individual who was known as the elder, who basically under-shepherded that specific group of people. And over the city, there was a bishop. You see, if we tried to do that setting here in St. Louis, it would be impossible. Number one, the pastors in the city would never agree upon one person being the main person, okay? Because all these denominations have different 
doctrinal viewpoints. It's hard to match that up. There are, at last count around, I think it was 77 churches in uh, Gratiot County alone. 77 churches. And each one of these churches has a pastor. Some pastors pastor more than one church. And usually within that church, they have elders that help them accomplish things within the church. And in many settings, in, in many settings, the elders are actually the governing body that we call the board of directors. So, yeah, if we were to be like the early church, there'd be one bishop in the city of St. Louis who would preside as bishop over every one of the churches, and each of those churches would then have an elder or a pastor. But how many know that does not work in this century? It's just, it's not a model that does work. So we don't have the same picture today, but that doesn't throw away the elder. It just makes us go, well, what is their purpose as an elder? Not so much they were presiding over a church. And their, pur- their purpose was spiritual works of ministry, to do spiritual things, to help teach people, to pray for people, to, to visit people in the hospitals. And I know we can't do that right now. And to preside over funerals and other types of things and that elders could help the pastor accomplish the spiritual things within the work. Because if you remember the Jethro Matrix, I'm not supposed to be judging every single spiritual difficulty. Are you all following me? Okay. So I needed to give you that to help you understand our um, picture of elders here at Resurrection Life Church. So I want to call out who our elders are. Of course, Diane and I are elders. Please stand Thank you. Tim and Corey Haggart. Corey's in, in the back over here. Tim, I believe, is in the counting room right now. Jonathan and Alice Glenn, your, your brides in children's ministry this morning. Chuck and Beverly Baxter. Uh, Richard and Carolyn Farrell. They're back over here in the corner. Tony and Jamie Evans. Tony's in the sound booth. Go ahead and stand, please. Jamie's in the back. Bill and Lynette Smith. They're around here somewhere. They're, there they are, and they're in the back as well. And Dale and Sharon Jennings. Uh, uh, and Connie Lauer. Where's Connie? There she is. And I don't believe I've missed any. Corey, have I missed any? All right, cool. She helps me keep everything in line. These are the elders. They've been believers for years and years. Some for years and years and years. (laughs) These are qualified, good people that know the Word, are dedicated to the work of the ministry here at Resurrection Life Church and are loyal to me as their pastor. And I could not do the work of the ministry. Now here I'm not talking about the ministry of helps. I'm talking about the spiritual works of the ministry. I could not do this work here without these individuals. They are proven, time-tested. I would trust any one of them to teach, to preach, to lay hands on folks, and to minister healing and other types of things needed, counseling ministry, whatever it may be. I know that they are equipped. And so this, we can give our elders a big hand. Stay standing, please. And extend a hand toward them because their work is a very serious work. I will say that there are things that happen at the board of directors level and the elder level that never make it past that point. Some serious, sometimes some serious difficulties that we need to deal with. And, and these, these people will tell you, I never make a, a decision right or left about any of those serious things without meeting with them to hear they are called the elders' 
counsel. They are there to offer me counsel and input and prayer. And I thank God for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak blessings upon them. For Lord, you've anointed them to carry a greater weight, to carry a greater load. And I pray, Lord God, that they would be blessed in all that they do. Continue to anoint them in their eldership, Lord God, to help this church grow spiritually in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Thank you all again. I'll try not to mention this too many times, but I'm usually pretty aware of time. Uh, thank you for your patience today, okay? This is an important day. I'm going to keep you for a few minutes in order to get this done. It happens once a year, and so... And trust me, you're not going to miss what you're not going to want to miss what we're going to do at the ending. Amen. Thank you. She said that like she knows, but she doesn't know, and she still gave me an amen. Hallelujah! I like that. Then we have a group here called Department Leaders, and we are blessed at Res Life to have a top-notch leadership team that are in charge of various areas of ministry. They are the ones that I can go to at any given time and tell me what's the mission of our church and what are the steps to discipleship, nine of them. And if they can't tell me, we have a one-on-one -on -one in my office. Let's just put it that way, all right? But if they can tell me, guess what? Hands off, run your ministry, do the things God has called you to do. If you can stay in the river of those two things, we're gonna get this thing done. And they're very good at it. Uh, they are chosen. By, based on faithfulness, they're chosen based on loyalty, they're, they're chosen based on passion, and anyone at any given time here at this church is going to have to relate with or work with any one of these people at any given time. Our department leaders are as follows. Worship and Creative Arts Director, Jonathan Glenn. Cafe Director, Nicole Baxter. Is she in the room or back in the cafe? There she is. Hey, sweetie, good to see you. Prayer Ministry, Sharon Jennings. Guest Services Director, Richard and Carolyn Farrell. Father's House Directors, Dennis and Julie Angel. Children's Ministry Director, Connie Price, all the way in the back. Men's Ministry Director, Steve Zucker. Youth Ministry Director, Zach and Jensen Smith. Women's Ministry Director, Corey Haggard. Benevolence Director, Deanna Zucker. Believer School of Excellence, Bill and Lynette Smith. Safety and Security, Counting, and a dozen other things. <laughs> Tim Haggard. I think Tim can hear us. Can we all on the count of three just say, we love you, Tim? One, two, three. We, we love, love you, you, Tim. Life Group and Connection Director, Stephen Deanna Zucker. Audio department, Doug Hale. He's unable to be with us today. They're moving. And video department, Cole Emery. Let's give our, our ministry directors a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Extend your hand toward them. Father, in the name of Jesus, may they be refreshed in all they do. For, Lord, we know that directing an area of ministry can sometimes wear us thin and wear us out. And I pray that they would just receive fresh water today a fresh spark in all that they do, in the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all may be seated. We're getting there, down to the, uh, the, down to like this is at the bottom of the barrel. It's not, not at the bottom of the barrel. Pastor's round table. I believe that it's important to surround myself with good counsel. I try to surround myself with people that I believe are better than me, in certain, certainly in certain areas 
of their life. They're smarter than me. They're more talented than me. I don't want people that are uh, just, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, I want people that are willing to uh, lock horns, willing to debate, willing to do whatever we need to do to make right decisions around here. And the Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And so I'm going to call out these names. They are in no specific order. Diane is on our round table. Please stand. Dennis and Julie Angel, please stand. Dale and Sharon Jennings, Steve and Deanna Zucker, Tim and Corey Haggard, Bill and Lynette Schmidt, Cole Emery, Jonathan and Alice Glenn, Connie and Sam Price, Tony and Jamie Evans, Nicole Baxter, Zach and Jensen Smith, Chuck and Beverly Baxter, Rob and Penny Martin, Connie Lauer, Richard and Carolyn Farrell, and Doug and Chris Hale. This is your department. This is your, this is my, this is a, let me say this right. This is my pastor's roundtable, but this is a part of your leadership here at this church. Can we give them a big hand? In many respects, in many respects, you might call this the think tank, not the stink tank. The think tank. There, I'll, I'll throw stuff at them, think this through. Let's get some ideas on how we're going to do this. How are we going forward? What are we going to do? What's the best way to do it? And we really go around trying to figure those things out. When there's a major decision across my desk, obviously I follow the chain of command and cascade the leadership, and eventually it'll come to this group, whether that's live in person or whether it's through uh, uh, video stream, whatever. Uh, we, we, no major decisions take place um, until I have utilized my time with this group to help me have the right counsel. Extend your hand toward them, please, in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray blessings on them. They serve so many areas, God. Keep them strong. Keep them healthy. Keep them vibrant. Keep them anointed for the purpose that you have for them. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Oh, we're down to the last... Page and a half. Right on. You're going to get there. Uh, the Bible teaches us about laying on of hands and anointing. Often this doesn't, does not happen in many churches. It definitely happens in this church and those that are part of this camp. The laying on of hands specifically to anoint and impart giftings to people who are being placed in specific areas of ministry. In the Bible, it's called a presbytery, a presbytery that is there to come and lay hands and impart. In Acts chapter 6, verse 6, it says, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. It was just before Paul and Barnabas were getting ready to take off for the ministry that God had called them to do. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to publicly announce to you a couple of leaders, maybe explain a little bit about the changes in leadership, but maybe not. Uh, but more than anything else, to place them publicly, but to anoint them. And so my elder team, at least a few of the elder team, if not all, you get ready to come when I call on you because I'm going to ask you to be that presbytery that stands with me to lay hands on and anoint for areas of ministry. I like what Pastor Barkley often says when he does this. He'll say a statement like, whatever anointing is in my life, 
that you need for your life, whatever anointing that is upon my ministry that you need for your ministry, may it be imparted to you at this moment. We don't just assign people jobs around here. If they're taking on a ministry position, you will be notified of that, and there'll be a Sunday where they are placed and anointed for the work of the ministry. So what we're about to do is a heavenly thing to help people in an earthen work, because the earthen work is hands-on in the applications of work here at the church, but it's a heavenly thing. So today we're going to place a couple of people uh, for our Believer's School of Excellence. Uh, the directors, Bill and Lynette Smith, if you will come forward, please. And our life group directors, Steve and Deanna Zucker, if you'll come forward, please. Diane, if you'll come up uh, with me. And I'll call on you, uh, your el new elders, in just a minute. Um, we are not currently doing physically doing either one of these ministries, and that was because 20, come stand right over here in front of me, you just walk right in front of that, so that's fine. And a couple of you there, a couple of you here, all right, don't be nervous, I'm not going to hit you or anything, I'm going to pray over you. Uh, we're not currently doing um, a life group, although we're going to get ready to get things rolling for that, it's 20, we're not camping at 2020, y'all. It's 2021, it's time to get Forge Ministry and these other things. They may look a little differently and we may have to adjust and tweak how we do things, but it is our goal to get these things rolling here in 2020. Can amen. you say amen? amen? And so this couple used to be over our life group. And what's interesting, I had a design and felt that, there, that it was time for them potentially to do something else. So I, I, that's, that's a difficult thing. You take people that are in a specific ministry and you say, you know, I, I don't think you're supposed to do that anymore. Uh, and uh, it can cause a lot of turmoil and a lot of uh, disappointment. But uh, what was interesting in that setting, they, I, I, I asked them, well, what do, you think, what do you think God's got planned for you? I think is how it went. And they looked at each other and went, oh, that makes total sense. We couldn't get anything going in our hearts about what life group was like, and we figured God must have something else for us. I love how God does that. I mean, he just puts it together, and I said, well, I have an idea. And I felt like this was supposed to be the couple that was to carry us forward <coughs> excuse me, into our future in Believer School of Excellence. That does not put our previous director out to pasture. Let me say that again. Our previous director is Chuck Baxter. Stand up, Chuck. Thank you. He's been directing and working in Believer School of Excellence for decades. Okay. And I've shared with him and I've shared with you all, your success is very much, he is instrumental to it because he has so much to impart, so much that he can mentor, so much that he can be a part of and making sure that you all dream big, become big, and, and, and succeed in your area of ministry. But today I want to lay hands upon you. And then also for our, since they're no longer uh, life group directors, I had my eye on this couple for life group directors. Uh, they are just so personable and lovable and likable. And don't you enjoy their 714s? I mean, they, they really have done a fantastic job. And I just felt like, you know, this, not that you all weren't likable. <laughs> Stop it, y'all. Stop it. Uh, I just felt like, boy, 
with 714 and everything that we've got them involved with the Connect ministry, that life group just felt like the natural order of events for them. Now, they have a learning curve. They have a learning curve. This is all stuff where they, they looked at me and went, uh, when I said BSA, they went, uh, 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 you know, so there's a learning curve. Brother Chuck, you're going to need to help them, man. Help them. Have mercy. Glory to God. And then, of course, this couple's mentoring them for their next area of ministry as well. And so, elders, if you would come stand up here behind them, please, as many of you as can squeeze in. We're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to, I, what I want you to believe with all your heart that something from one of us, me, Diane, any of the others who lay hands on you, if they can't get a hand on you, they're putting a hand on the person who is putting a hand on you, that something is going to get imparted into your life that you need for this new ministry that God has you doing. This is a very biblical thing. I remember the first time that I was ordained, it was pretty much, here's a certificate, let's have a potluck. But I got reordained, and in that reordination, I had a presbytery of ministers who laid hands on me, and I came back to my church a different pastor than I was before. So this is a heavenly thing. Please believe this. This is a heavenly thing that's getting ready to happen. And I believe with all my heart that ideas are going to spring forth in your brains, and creativity is going to spring forth because you, got, you have to take a, a believer school of excellence, not just in terms of coming back to doing it again live, but how do we go digitally? How do we make that happen? So if, for whatever reason, we couldn't have service here, nothing ever stops us again. Amen. See, that happened to our believer school of excellence in our last session. All this stuff came down, and we had to stop the class halfway through. Not fair for any one of those students to have to go through that. We are determined to never let that happen again. And that's going to take some creativity and some strength, and you all need this. And in these last days that we live, we're going to need life group, small group, more than we ever did because we have no clue what Uncle Sam, the government, anybody else is going to try to do to the church, but we're going to have to find ways and means that we can always keep the church connected and can always minister to everyone, even if we had to go back into uh, home ministry again. All right? So we're going to be ready. Yes. I feel the power of God right now. We're going to be ready for what comes in store before us, and we're going to need you all to help carry this weight to take us forward into the future. Amen? And so I'm going to go ahead and just anoint them with oil. We're going to pray over them, and if any one of you have a word, then you just let me know. I'll give you the microphone, and you can share a word with them. Do you have anything? Father, you lay hands on them over there, honey. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we gather together to do a heavenly thing, something that can only be done in the heavenlies, to use the presbytery to impart gifts into their life for this work of ministry. And Father, as I said earlier, if there be any gifting upon my life that they need for that area of ministry that you've assigned unto them, may it be imparted to them today in Jesus' holy name. I pray that they'll be springing forth with ideas and creativity and just impartations of what they're supposed to do, Lord God, to take Resurrection Life Church into its future, into these areas of ministry. I decree it in the name of Jesus, a special impartation of anointing upon their life for this. In Jesus' holy name. Is there anyone on the presbytery who has a word? Okay. 
Yes, please. Yes. This gives me great honor. That you would step up and take on the responsibility of assisting and educating people, your people, these people, in their growth in their Christian faith. It's a huge responsibility. It's an awesome responsibility. You have the privilege and the responsibility to teach them. Each one of these will become your children. And everybody wants to see their children succeed. So in the name of Jesus today, I, with whatever anointing that I have had, I give you, I transfer anointing to you in the name of Jesus to teach, to nurture, and to help these people grow into these into the disciples that God has called them to be. And Lord, I pray that you totally equip them. You give them everything they need to succeed and go beyond where I took them. Take them to where you plan to take them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Diane says she has a word. Yeah, for the Zookers. And I just, uh, while we were praying, I, I just kept hearing equipment, equipment. And I know that in your business you have a lot of equipment, right? And you, you need it, right? Absolutely. And I just, uh, just want to um, confess to you today that we know that we can't make the able faithful, but we can make the faithful able. And I want you to know in this body of believers to know that we believe in you. Yes. And we see more in you than you even see in yourself. Oh, yeah. And, and I believe that your equipment is on its way. And part of that equipment, I don't know what all of it is, but I know that confidence is a tool Absolutely. that you are missing and that is coming. And Amen. that as you walk out in that um, those giftings, um, you know, the, your ministry is just going to explode because um, you, you've been faithful and, and God has seen your labor. Yes. And, uh, and now you're a part of a, a camp where um, there are people to hold you up and to help you. And I just, um, I just believe in you. Yes. And we believe in you. And I think it is really exciting that we get a front row seat to watch the Zookers uh, go forward into all that God has planned for you. So yes. um, I would say prepare uh, your hearts and, and, and don't be looking in the natural for your equipment because it's going to come on the, it's, it's going to rise up on the inside it's a of heavenly you. heavenly thing. Amen. And, uh, and you're you. going to do it. Yes. And God is going to be pleased. Yes. Amen. Awesome. Jonathan? Just really quick here. I just I feel the Lord saying to us this. You are in place for the people to come. 
how for the Lord would say that today is a holy thing and that we are now in the place to be prepared for the floods of people to come yes. from the top to the bottom leadership is in order for the people to come Lord we thank you that we are in order under your presence Lord from our pastors to our positions we are prepared for your people to come yes Lord, we know that 2020 has ravished this country, but we know that your church will arise and the revival yes. will come in 2021 and that yes. has been expecting it, but maybe we weren't ready for it, but Father, we're ready now. Yes. The leadership is in order. The leadership is ready for your people to come, and we declare they will come in the name of Jesus. Yes. Give the Lord a praise in the house. Come on. This is a powerful thing that we're doing today. I know I've said it already, but I also know that it's 20 to 1. Um, I, I'm not saying I'm trying to rush. I just want to thank you again for your patience. There, what we're about to do may stand out as maybe even more important than anything we've done yet in this service, if you can imagine that. And I'll try to do this without getting blubbery, but... Uh, I'm a blubber baby anyway, so that will happen. Um, many times you watch people go through battles and choose not to quit, to hang in there. And some battles that the devil throws at us come with a lethal blow. That in a lot of cases, a lot of people give up, throw in the towel decide to no longer do the things that they know God has called them to do because they've been hurt or they're wounded because of the battle that they face. Um, one of the things that I learned from my pastor is what we're about to do here, and I haven't done it here in years. I have done it here a couple of times, but I want to give um, our spiritual medal of honor to two couples this morning. And uh, first... Uh, Steve and Deanna, if y'all will come back up here for a minute. Go ahead. Steve and Deanna, come face me for a minute. You've had every opportunity to throw in the towel uh, as you've labored and pastored and done so many things over the years and been betrayed so many times by so many people. And for some folks that don't have the metal that you have, they throw in the towel and say, I'm done with it. I'm hurt too bad. I can't do this anymore. And I just felt led by the Spirit of God to present this to you. It's the Believer's Medal of Honor. It's awarded for persevering through severe battles. It is presented to you for bearing pain and enduring hardship. It's awarded for overcoming in the face of potential lethal blows from the enemy. It's presented to Steve and Deanna Zucker for facing your battles and not giving up. You've come through great disappointments and trials, and you did not quit. God bless you. because you and Diane believed in us. God bless you. Oh, and God sent them our way. Hallelujah! 
This uh, next couple, um, all of you who are leaders should spend some time with them. Not because of hurt, but so you can learn how to make it through hurt, how you can make it through pain. A lot of times people that get involved in the areas of ministries feel that they are now married to that ministry and that that ministry is their ministry, forgetting the fact that it's the Lord's ministry. And the Lord may move you around into different things as he wills. And it's never an easy thing from the pastor's position to sit with people and say, it's time to do something differently. This couple that I'm about to call forward, now neither one of these couples know that I'm even doing this today. I didn't forewarn them. Because in, in every respect, these are not couples that want, that seek public accolade. That's a great lesson. And when we had this couple take a different place within this church than the place that they were taking, they were hurt. And I understand that. And I'm the one who hurt them. And I understand that. But I also knew that we were doing what God had instructed us to do. And God doesn't always give us the easy route. And I watched this couple grow in this turmoil of theirs. I watched them go through the different emotions of having their ministry put into the hands of someone else. Brother Chuck's going through some of that angst even now watching his ministry handing that baton off to a newer generation to carry us further. But I've watched this couple and they, I say, why do I say you need to spend time with them? Because they can teach, they've taught me so much as I've watched them navigate this pain, navigate this hurt. If I've ever had a couple ever, based on what took place in the ministry, have a reason to be mad enough to say we're leaving, we're going somewhere else, this was probably that setting, and it was difficult. If I've ever had a couple or a person in ministry where uh, there, if, there's, if there is a reason to be so hurt as to quit, I know there's not, but this would have been one of those blows that could have been a lethal blow to this couple and to their family. I'm so proud of them. And I want to ask Toby and Ashley Pickleman to come forward, please. through in that journey is two years old now yeah and um, you weren't happy with me for a considerable amount of time and I got it I, I mean I understood but I watched you take a journey that shows who you are in Christ it was beautiful to watch you take that journey to find forgiveness in your heart, to get past your pain and your anger, to begin to look at what does God have for us next. I'm so honored and so blessed 
to serve in ministry here at this church with you and to have you a part of this church family. And so it was really upon my heart to present this to you today. The Believer's Medal of Honor is awarded for persevering through severe battles. It's presented to you for bearing pain and enduring hardship. It's awarded for overcoming in the face of potential lethal blows from the enemy. It's presented to Toby and Ashley Pickleman. And although it's not written here, I'll add your, your kids to that as well. For facing your battles and not giving up, you've come through great disappointments and trials, and you did not quit. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't express how much that has meant to me, but I know this. You, the Lord smiles upon the two of you because I knew that that journey that we had to take is going to be a, is going to be a ministry for you all to help other people through their difficult times in the church. Oh, I love you guys, and I thank you so much for all that you've gone through and all that you've done and all that we're going to do together in the future. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Let's give them a big hand. Can we do it? Come on. Hallelujah. I think that's a great note to end on today. So you've seen a picture of what leadership looks like here at Resurrection Life Church and how we operate within the realms of that leadership. I hope it's a blessing to you. For those who are new to our church, I hope that it's a blessing for you to see this kind of event. Bill and Lynette, who uh, are elders now, roundtable in charge of our uh, Believer School of Excellence, said it was one of their very first Sundays that they came to this church, uh, and we did this, and it just happened to be the thing they needed at the moment because in their life they were looking for good leadership. And so there's an anointing upon what we did today. Would you stand with me as I send you out blessed? Thank you again for your patience, longer service than normal. I promise you that when Diane and I leave to Florida, Jonathan will not use this service as an example for how, he's gonna, how long he's going to keep you. <laughs> I pray that the Lord bless you, that he keep you, that he protect you, that he be gracious to you, that his face shines upon you and his countenance goes before you, and that you feel his presence everywhere that you go. May the peace of the Lord and the grace of the Lord go with you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.